It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your post host, James Rapine. He's not a post, he's a host. We're part of the Lockdown <laughs> Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. If you're new on an audio platform or on YouTube and you like hearing about the Bengals five or more days a week, Hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button, hit the thumbs up on YouTube if you like what we're doing here. All of that helps us get discovered and build the Lockdown Bengals community. And you can find us on Twitter as well. That's where I at least do most of my interacting. James, I think you do too. At Jake Lisko, at James Rapine, at Lockdown Bengals. Very easy to find all of those things on Twitter. And James, the Cincinnati Bengals, according to Aaron Wilson, are interested in a center. And Whenever we get rumors in late February, there's always the caveat of this might be coming from the agents camp. This might be coming from Bradley Bozeman. This might be posturing to try to get more money out of the Ravens, who, as we mentioned right before we started recording, James, have their own issues on the offensive line. And Bozeman was not really one of those issues, but the former Alabama center sixth round pick, according to Aaron Wilson, who is a well-sourced reporter, by the way. He's not some guy who's making stuff up on a fake Twitter account. The Bengals reportedly will be part of the market for his services when free agency opens. A couple things. First off, you called me post. I'm ready to run a post right now. My legs feel great after the season. I'm rejuvenated. I'm fresh. The combine's next week. Let's roll, baby. Uh, That's that built bar plan. Two, as far as Bradley Bozeman goes, um, look, there are going to be guys like this that the Bengals like that we're not talking about. And maybe this is one of them. You're right. Probably coming from Bozeman's side. Certainly it's contract talks and he's a sixth round pick and you know he's 27 years old. He'll be 28 in November and he wants to get paid. So of course that's probably part of it. But Aaron Wilson's no just guy. Like you said, he works for pro football network. Now he worked for the Houston Chronicle for years. I think he still yep. does some stuff for them. Um, and, and he's been right about of a lot of Bengals stuff. So it is interesting. And the reason to me, it's interesting is because we're talking about certain names, but honestly, I don't give a damn about any of them, right? I don't care about Laramie Tunsil or this guy or that. I just want it fixed. So whatever names can get it fixed, whatever guys you can put in place to protect Joe Burrow and make this offense as good as it can be, because it wasn't that in 2021, um, do it. And if they feel like it's Bradley Bozeman, then then maybe it is. And uh, I certainly think, and I'm certain you're going to dive into him here, there are some traits that uh, he could add to the Bengals offensive line that would be sort of intriguing. Yeah, this is a guy that coming out of Alabama, I'm a little bit surprised he got drafted. He wasn't 
one of the better Alabama offensive linemen to go through that program that has produced a lot of good linemen, at least at the college level, that were very appealing NFL prospects from an athleticism perspective, from a productivity perspective, what have you. Take Alex Leatherwood in this most recent draft class, along with uh, Dickerson as examples, Jonah Williams. I mean, there's a ton of Alabama linemen in the NFL, right, that get drafted highly. Bozeman a six-round pick because he weighed under 300 pounds at the combine and tested like a 12th percentile athlete. So didn't run particularly well, didn't move laterally particularly well, didn't jump particularly well, and did all of those things at a below-average weight, very below-average weight. Now he's listed at 325, so he's added some weight in the NFL, which is important, and he's gotten better every year in the NFL. So as James holds up a built bar for those of you not watching on YouTube. So you know how he's out of that weight. That's probably right. a little bit of uh, offensive lineman diet going on there too, but built bar, an important part of any offensive lineman's diet. Anyway, uh, Bozeman is a guy that to me was a surprising name to see linked to the Bengals. And I guess I shouldn't really be surprised by any halfway decent offensive lineman that gets linked to the Bengals <laughs> right. this off season. But from a scheme fit perspective, the other center free agents that make more sense to me include Ryan Jensen, Ben Jones, who are at the top of the free agent class. Both of those guys a little bit older, but both of those guys more athletic. Even Brian Allen, who is seen as a weak link on the Rams offensive line. Another guy that comes from his zone scheme. And then you get to Bradley Bozeman, and this is a guy that's from the Ravens major in a, in a gap-heavy approach. He apparently was asked to be more of a pooler in 2021 for the Ravens and, and did a good job of that. But what really stands out and maybe what the Bengals like here are, are two things. One, familiarity with the division, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's gone up against the Steelers. He's gone up against DJ Reader and the Bengals. He's gone up against the Browns who haven't had the best interior. But there's a lot of tape against him in the division. You're directly poaching from a division rival, which, uh, you know, I think matters at least a little bit. Uh, you're, you're taking talent away. I don't think that's a primary motivation, but there's probably some strategic relevance there. And his, his pass blocking productivity by the advanced stats without going to watch the tape because this happened this afternoon while I was still at work, were, were pretty good this year. He was second in ESPN's pass block win rate for centers behind mm-hmm. only Creed Humphrey tied with the Browns' J.C. Treader better than the Patriots' David Andrews and Chargers, Corey Lindsley, who are guys that we talked about last offseason before they were signed either back with the Patriots or with the Chargers. So some accomplishments there for him in pass blocking, which seems to be the better part of his game. And he also just had his best season. So, you know, there's a concern there when you have your best season at 27 in a contract year. At the same time, the Bengals just did this right last year and these are some of the same doubts we had about trey hendrickson having his best year in a contract year and and kind of having a bit of a late breakout but with hendrickson there's since been some some really good work done i think it was ben solak from the ringer who went back and said you know what the trey hendrickson breakout actually was two years before he came to the bengals and then he got more playing time and that productivity maintained with increased playing time so if the Bengals get it right again and they've identified a guy that's actually just ascending and getting better and is overcoming his athletic limitations at the NFL level and is a guy that's going to pass protect and handle stunts well on the inside, well, all of that sounds great. Zone running game be damned. 
and you figure out your running game based on what you have. And, and as we wanted last year, James, your first and foremost priority is to protect Joe Burrow in this passing game. Yeah, and it's not just this year, next year, the year after. There, there's two Joes on offense. The one's much more important than the other. Sorry, Joe Mixon. We, we've seen you behind a bad offensive line still get a thousand. You know, imagine if this passing game was opened up and there was the great wall in front of Joe Burrow, literally. So I like the idea. This center that's, um, and I looked it up on PFF, he gave up three sacks total, uh, in, in according to Pro Football Focus. I'll take it. And I know that's just a small thing, but if he's going to win a lot, that's what you need because this is going to be a pass first offense. You don't have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T Higgins under contract uh, for the next probably five to seven years minimum for any of those guys and, and not pass the ball a lot. And th- that's what puts fear in opposing defenses. Seriously, handing the ball off to Joe Mixon, right? or Joe Burrow dropping back the pass and having time to operate and go read one, read two, read three, read four. He's got so many weapons, including Mixon. So if there is a priority, it it does have to be that. And then the other part of it is just Burrow's overall health, right? I'm tired of watching him limp. So how do we fix that? Well, you, you fix that by adding guys who can pass protect. And if Bozeman can do that, sign me up. Um, I agree with you. The 27-year-old, he's just had his best year. What is it? Well, part of it could be sixth-round pick, had to add weight, threw a bunch of built bars in that belly, and he, he finally got there. So, um, yeah, he might be about to reach his prime like a lot of guys that the Bengals have spent money on the past couple of years. And just thinking about it, if they find a way to protect Burrow, like that's – I get it might not be the perfect fit from a run perspective. Figure it out then. And they're eyeing a bunch of centers, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just Bradley Bozeman. But, uh, yeah, it would not shock me at all if they're interested. He would fit the budget. He's young. He might be getting better. And so there are reasons to think this could make sense. But it's also like we're two weeks away from free agency. So we'll see. A lot, whole lot of we'll see. That that remains true at this time of year. And well, we'll see what questions are in the mailbag. We're going to dive into your questions about the Bengals offseason approach and more coming up next. But first, I have to tell you about BetOnline.net because football is over. Free agency's right around the corner. But the NBA is in full swing. College hoops are in full swing. And BetOnline.net is your number one spot to wager on all of your favorite sports. And it isn't just basketball. They have UFC. They have boxing. They have everything in one stop. It's a one-stop shop. So go there now because you're going to get player props. You're going to get everything you're looking for, plus the latest news and their interface, super simple, super easy to use. You can use it on your mobile device and sign up there just by going to betonline.net or check it out on your laptop or PC right now. Betonline.net and check out all the trends, all the action, all the latest odds and props. I've used them. You should too. Betonline.net, where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. James, it's time for the off-season weekly mailbag. As we well throughout the off-season, we'll yeah, take your baby. questions on Thursdays and we'll get them it's recorded. It's my first and, one, Jake. It's my first one. Oh, yeah. you, you had it last week. I'm excited. 
mailbag did it all time, by myself. Maybe. It was very popular. Maybe you should. You want to just? Yeah. Just, Here, I'll turn the camera I'll, off. I'll you, see you, you later. guys. You guys are stuck with Jake. <laughs> uh, the first question we have today comes from Oof at J12 Nation underscore on Twitter, and he asks: After the Bengals extend Jesse Bates and get some offensive line help, is the biggest need at corner or at tight end? And is it more realistic to address that in free agency or the draft? James, come on back and answer oof at J12Nation underscores question. For those not watching on YouTube, I turned my camera off and I muted myself for a bit. I tried to really lean into disappearing and I wanted to make Jake nervous. So uh, I was here the whole time and I was ready to answer the question. Um, okay, so... To me, of the two, which one's more important? Well, it's not even close, right? It's it's cornerback. And what I think the Bengals are going to try to do is keep C.J. Uzama, but they are going to probably spend that corner. I just and that doesn't mean they don't draft one, but you know you have Cheeto under contract for two more years, and it's a great deal. You have Mike Hilton under contract for three more years, and it's you know a market deal. You have money after you cut Trey Wayne's to throw at another veteran corner, given how how much they prioritize the position. And that doesn't mean they couldn't keep Eli Apple on a one, $1 million, $2 million type deal if, he, if he's not trying to break the bank. But I do think they try to go out and get a, a CB1A, right? Another outside corner. And then in the draft, if they're still a top corner and it's BPA, then you can you know take them at 31 or wherever. Um, but no, I, I think the plan is realistically Uzama, and then a corner in that mid-level starting tier that could be ascending. Who knows? Like, I don't think they're going to throw $20 million at J.C. Jackson, for those wondering. I know Mike Hilton flirted with him, and it's fun. I don't think that's realistic. Never say never, right? I'm never going to do that. I just don't think that that's a, a realistic option. Yeah, I could see them taking another Chidobe abouzier size swing at the free agent market. But coming into this year... There were two years left on Trey Wayne's deal, and I think the Bengals were expecting Trey Wayne's to be a starter for them this year and prove that he should be a starter for them next year. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. He got hurt. Mm-hmm. He, he couldn't get on the field when he was healthy because, ostensibly because he was hurt, and they decided they liked Eli Apple. Now, do they run back Eli Apple? I, I would like to think not as a primary option. Maybe Eli Apple is a Bengal again right. next year, but is he... For what? What are you for? He could be CB four, right? Like you can't yeah. run it back as him as as a starting corner, but can he be? Do I feel comfortable with him as the fourth corner on the roster? Yeah, I mean that's a pretty good fourth corner, and, and that's how he started the year. And I think that that's probably more where they're comfortable. But is it going to be another fifteen million dollar deal like they gave Trey Waynes? I don't think so. I think they feel like they've got really good value in Awuzier and in Hilton. You mentioned market value for Hilton. You're probably not too far off. That's probably true. He's getting $6 million a year. And I know it's a slot corner. Those guys aren't worth as much as your guys that play outside or can move around like Cheeto, like Jalen Ramsey. But I think they have a pretty good deal there, all things considered. I mean, his cap number for 2020 is still just $5 million. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you really like Mike Hilton's deal, in my opinion. And so... I, I think they're looking at it and saying, okay, Chidobe Abouzier has a seven seven million or so dollar cap hit in 2022. He's only under contract for two more years. So either 
there's potentially an extension coming for Cheeto at some point. That'd probably be after next year if they like the way he plays next year. Or they they need somebody who can be in that spot and, and start opposite and maybe take it over in the future, take over that CB1 spot. So for me, it wouldn't surprise me if, if the right guy is there at 31, that they draft a guy and sign a guy. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that I was a little surprised that you said it's corner and it's not close because I, I think I agree with you that it's corner because of just how important that position is. But I do think tight end is really important for this offense. I think that when, when they don't have that guy in the middle of the field for the, the third down stuff, which is where they use Uzama a lot or, or to threaten, you know, the, the Y leak stuff or the seams that the few times they had time to run those concepts and throw them. I think that that takes something away from this team. It takes away part of their ability to attack the middle of the field because when you have a tight end and Tyler Boyd to do that, I think it makes you more dangerous. And so I I think it is still pretty important that they find somebody that is better than Drew Sample as a receiver at tight end, whether it's Uzama or an external guy. I don't think it'll be a draft pick. We've said many times, takes most tight ends who I guess aren't Kyle Pitts time to adapt to the NFL. So even if they get Trey McBride in the second round, who's the consensus number one tight end in this class, you can't count on him in year one. So one of these many tight ends, I think they'll have to get in on as well. But I I do think it's fair to say that corner just mostly because of positional value and how you can just get picked on if you don't have a guy is more important than tight end. Well, I just think that's how they feel. Okay. I, I I don't think the organization is good. I would sign Rob Gronkowski. You know, I throw. I want Gronk in the red zone and for the playoffs with Uzama, or I want David Njoku, or you know what I mean. Like, there's a ton of tight ends out there. So sure, um, I love the idea of that, right? And giving Joe like 52 weapons to throw to. Um, and I'm drafting a receiver too, but people aren't ready for that yet. But I just think that they're going to prioritize corner because the past 15 yeah. years says it, right? And they, so. They, they got a That's DB's coach, a defensive coordinator, and they historically value corner very highly. Yeah, so that, that, that's where I lean, and especially if they get a deal done with Uzama. If they don't, then yeah, I mean, I think they're going to prioritize getting someone because it can't the, be Drew Sample. No, the, they will bring in a tight end, whether it's Uzama or an external free agent. Drew Sample will not be tight end one next year. And if he is, be. then we'll come back to this podcast on February 24th, 25th and, and make fun of ourselves. Let's keep things rolling with the mailbag. Aaron J asks, am I wrong in thinking that Isaiah Prince is a good swing tackle? I felt like he did a good job starting late in the year. Oh, man. I mean, like he's fine, I guess, as a swing tackle. He might be the Bengals swing tackle next year, unless it's Deontay Smith, assuming that he gets more chances to tackle. Maybe it's Jackson Carmen. Maybe he gets back in the mix at tackle. But when he faces high-quality edge players he's he's toast we saw it against max crosby we saw it against von miller we saw it throughout the season against you know average edge players i think he's he's okay but he's uh i wouldn't want to rely on him for more than like a handful of snaps in a year he was fine Mm -hmm. as an extra tackle but injuries happen on the offensive line frequently Jonah Williams goes down, say they have Riley Reef back hypothetically, and now your left tackle is Isaiah Prince, or maybe your left tackle is, is Reef and he's back at right tackle Isaiah Prince. Those don't really make me feel all that comfortable, 
especially if you're pushing to get back to the Super Bowl and win it. Mm-hmm. And you have injury. Yeah, I don't know. Am I content with Isaiah Prince? Probably not. Am I throwing a fit if Isaiah Prince is your backup tackle again? Also, probably not. But that depends a lot as well on like guys like uh, Deontay Smith and Jackson Carmen competing and battling and getting a little bit better and being in that mix as well. I don't think Carmen. I think it's going to be Akeem Adeniji. Like. <laughs> I think I think he's done at guard. I think that's do, do it. Do any they, of these make you feel good though? No. And so that's the point. I'm fine with them on the roster, but they need to find another something. And there's going to be someone in we'll, we'll dive into Riley Reef because we have a question about him. Um, but yeah, I, I think you need one more and, and more proven. Again, I want proof. Some of these guys should develop under Frank Pollock. I need proven guys. And uh, that's why going back to the start, right? Bradley Bozeman, he's pretty proven as a pass protector. I, I need to have that. And then if Trey Hopkins is the backup or he moves to guard and then he's your backup center, now you feel pretty good about it. As you know, So there's, uh, there's a lot there. I don't know if they can make that work money-wise. But we'll continue with the mailbag next. First, I have to tell you about how Bradley Bozeman gained all that weight, man, and he got in great shape. And it's it's built bar. And so whether you're trying to cut and get all chiseled like Jake Lisko, or you're trying to put on the LBs like Bradley Bozeman, built bar can help you get there because they're low in calories, high in protein, high in uh, taste. Okay. They have 100% chocolate, every single bar. And so they taste amazing. They taste like a candy bar. And so whether it's this blueberry muffin one that I have right here, whether it's this special edition, Caramel Almond Delight, whether it is Jake Lisko's go-to, uh, what was it, Coconut Brownie Chunk, right? Coconut Brownie, those are really good, by the way. It doesn't matter. You can't go wrong with Built Bar. So check them out right now at Built.com. Use promo code LAC15 and get 15% off your order. Bradley Bozeman's doing it. I'm doing it. Jake's doing it. You should too at built.com promo code lock 15. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. James, you mentioned we had a question about Riley Reef. Let's let's jump around a little bit, and, and we, we can combine some questions here. Christina yep. at yep. K Hong 05. Sorry if I've, I, I don't know if that Y is silent, Christina, so apologies if it's not. She would like to know why there's so much talk about upgrading a tackle when the tackles were the best part of the Bengals' offensive line for much of the year. The pressure up the middle caused a lot of problems, she writes, and wants to know why not keep Jonah and Reef mm-hmm. and even Prince as that swing tackle, as we just discussed, and build up the interior offensive line. And uh, James, going back to something you said right before the break, you know, if they want to build up that interior offensive line, you mentioned Trey Hopkins potentially as a backup. I think the only way Trey Hopkins is a backup on this team next year is if he's cut and re-signed. I don't think it'll be yeah. at his current number. But to answer Christina's question, James, and I'm going to ask you again, why not just leave the tackles alone, bring back Reef, and and focus most of your attention on that interior O-line? If you do that, 
then you have so absolutely have to upgrade at swing tackle. Like that, that that's the thing. And I agree. Like on the surface, Jonah left tackle. He's shown he could stay healthy and be competent. Riley Reef, when he was in there, certainly competent. They left him on an island. Still a, a guy that, and I think they can resign him. I think it's realistic. You can get him at a decent number. Coming off the injury, given his age, all of those things. And so, two things. One, I think the focus on tackle is because this organization has not prioritized the interior. They just haven't. Outside of drafting Billy Price in the first round, when's the last they prioritized? Extending Trey Hopkins? Well, yeah, it was because they whiffed on Price and they they needed something at center. It was just, it was bad, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with Hopkins. He's okay. But they just, they haven't really invested in the interior. They need to do that this offseason. And that's, I think, where Christina's, thinking that's where her mindset is at and that's what i hope they're thinking and if they do that and they invest in proven bodies if you're telling me that your starting tackles week one of 2022 are jonah williams and riley reef i'm okay with that but you can't be one riley reef injury or one jonah williams injury away from isaiah prince because then everything just, you know, everything levels down and it, it gets much tougher and he could improve and some of these other guys could improve, but I want proven commodities. So just go find a, maybe not a, a Riley Reef tier, but a tier below that, that can be a swing tackle veteran. And it is doable and it is possible. And I don't have a list in front of me, but they certainly could. And so that's uh, that's part of it. Or you know maybe they draft a guy, but we're not really trusting them in the draft. So I agree, throw a lot of assets at the interior, and maybe it's both guard spots, and they leave Hopkins at center. Not against that by any stretch. But if you're rolling with Reef and Williams, I need a better backup just in case one of those guys get dinged up. And and part of this with the offensive line, and we've kind of like scoffed at this idea, but you really do hope that one of these guys. One of these young draft picks gets better. And, you know, you hope that the four guys that they've acquired in the last two years, one of them can be a starter. It's possible that none are. It's possible that two are, three are. But hopefully it's at least one. Because if you have to get free agents for all of that stuff and you have to start signing veterans to be backups and like, you know, I don't know, the, the AJ cans of the world to like $3 million one-year deals just to to try to have depth. Like that doesn't feel very good either. And then you're starting to lock up. It's death by a thousand paper cuts on the salary cap when you start doing a bunch of one-year deals just to get by. Yeah, it's it's such a big offseason for Jackson Carmen because he has a lot of, I mean, it's no secret, right? Work ethic issues. Will he make football his first priority? Will he stop worrying about all the other interests that are out there and, and um, you know, that, I mean, it, that has to happen. You know, yeah. they like it's physical tools. He had red flags coming out and it's uh, it sucks. If that doesn't, if that pick doesn't hit, like if he's not, you know, I, I he's going to battle for a starting job next year. They're going to try to, you know, give him that, but he's got to earn that damn thing. Yeah. And uh, so, so does Deontay Smith. Sure. And, and that's the thing is like, there's a, a path where Deontay Smith is better than Jackson Carmen and, and might be an opening day starter next year, but they're going to have to earn it. And and I really, from Hopkins on down, you know, I, I think that all these guys, you know, it should be kind of a toss up and Jonah Williams too. I mean, if, cause if here's the thing, Christine, like if, if they bring in a left tackle 
and they re-sign Riley Reef, well, then Jonah Williams could play on the interior, and I'm pretty confident he would be an upgrade. I really am. So there's a, there's a lot of options, and I don't think the Bengals would necessarily do that, but I, I'm not saying that they wouldn't do that either. Speaking of Jonah Williams moving inside, I mistakenly said that he played some guard at Alabama. It was a handful of snaps. It was never a full game even. I think the most guard snaps he had in a game was nine. So he, he's been a tackle for his entire sure. career. So so there is that. And, and moving positions isn't as easy as Andrew Whitworth makes it look. But let's move on. Uh, we're going to package some questions here, James. Matt Boatman, the last boat in on Twitter, Wants to know, after a season like this, do you think it will be easier to attract big-time tra- big free agents to Cincinnati? Meanwhile, David W. at Stonebender1388 asks, how will the Bengals playing games with Jesse Bates impact potential free agents? He brings up a Tony Saragusa example where Mike Brown wouldn't pay for a first-class plane ticket, and many of you might remember Warren Sapp when the Bengals pulled the offer at the last minute. And so we have two sides here of the same question. The Bengals playing games, quote unquote, with Jesse Bates and the Joe Burrow and Super Bowl run effect on free agency appeal. I don't think Jesse Bates' negotiations impact current free agents at all, unless they have David Moletta, you know, um, and again, I butcher his last name every time, but Jesse Bates' agent, unless they have the same agent, I don't think it's going to be an issue. And it probably won't anyways, right? Because as an agent, you have to prioritize and, you know, compartmentalize because every situation is different. I mean, the Bengals have paid free agents. They've been able to get them. So I don't think that – I really don't think that's an issue. Now, could it affect morale with these draft and develop type guys? You know, the the Joe Burrow, Jesse – or not Jesse, Jesse Bates falls under that, but Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt's of the world. Jermaine Pratt, by the way, extension eligible um, this, this offseason. Yeah, it can impact morale that way. And so – that part of it, but I don't think it's going to impact outside free agents. Um, as far as do outside free agents want to play after that year? If I'm a cornerback, oh, you go there and you have success. If they if they want you, like think about how many free agent flops there are every year. Well, the Bengals outside of Trey Waynes, who quite frankly from day one never showed a true interest in Cincinnati, seemed like he just took that. And I'm speculating a little bit, but not really. If you listen to him on the podcast in April 2020, it never felt like he wanted to be in Cincinnati. I never questioned DJ Reader, right? Even though he, he got injured and we didn't see a lot of him, it seemed like, I mean, his emotional speech after week two, after the uh, the loss to um, the Browns on, on Thursday night football in 2020, you could just feel it that he cared. And so – you know, as long as you avoid the Trey Waynes of the world where they just kind of, and I know he had injuries, but it just seemed like he was shrugging it off a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think that you can hit on him. And if you're a free agent and you see that, it's like, all right, that's a place I can go and I can be a plug in next to these other veteran corners, or I can be a plug in to block for Joe Burrow. So, yeah, I mean, I think they are a destination for the first time in a long time uh, where it's like, sign me up. And that's the fun part about Mike Hilton recruiting is because that's a guy that came from Pittsburgh and he was in that organization. And now he's in Cincinnati after one year and he's like, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. And that means behind the scenes that players um, like what what has been built in Cincinnati and are trying to get other guys. And when Joe Burrow's at quarterback, that's uh, that's pretty exciting. So I think they're as appealing as they've been in my lifetime from a, a free agent standpoint and attracting free agents to Cincinnati. At least in quite a while. And, and a big part of that. So like the quarterback thing is, so I think Burrow is more appealing to other people than Carson Palmer, but Carson Palmer after 2005 
ACL or not, was probably pretty appealing to external free agents because in 2005, we thought Carson Palmer was probably the third best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, He never had the Burrow it factor, but I think Burrow is a big factor. This team also went to the Super Bowl. And uh, I think that matters when they're as young as they are. People look at Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, this defense, and they say, okay, they're close. I think that players could look at that and think they're close. And so, you know, like you said, if you're an offensive lineman, who do you want to block for this year? Joe Burrow is a pretty good answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, what, what teams are offensive line needy in, in the biggest way, it's going to make the biggest difference. Uh, I, I think that's part of it. The other part of it is the money part of it. And the Bengals the last few years, as we said in a, in a show earlier this week, spent $35 million against the cap in the first year of of free agent spending on external free agents. And that's not an insignificant number. The other thing that I learned today, Nick Cordy and Andre Perota in my mentions going back and forth about the Bengals situation is that the Bengals are currently for cash commitments, not cap commitments, but cash commitments, the lowest projected spending team in 2022 right now. That number is going to go way up. The Bengals typically, according to Andre, and Andre is the resident Bengals cap and cash spend expert, typically spend around the cap, which this year is what, 213 or so million dollars. They, they spend around the cap in cash every year, which means that the Bengals in cash spend are due to spend about $100 million in the next month <laughs> on extensions, on mm-hmm. External signings on re-signings, they're due to spend about a hundred million dollars. And some of that might be, you know, we we talked about guys like, you know, Von Bell, or maybe they get aggressive and, and get ahead of it with Jadobe Abuzier. Maybe they extend Jermaine Pratt. Maybe they I don't know. I don't know who else it would be, actually. Sure. Jonah no, Williams. But, I don't know. But you get yeah, the idea. There, there, there's a lot of money to spend here. And with TV revenue coming in and with all the season tickets they've sold and all the jerseys they've sold and the, the money that's come in from this playoff run, maybe the organization is, is ready to spend a little bit more. And, and maybe they're ready to do some of these restructures to free up cap space so they can spend a little bit more. So they can spend that $100 million or $90 million or $80 million or whatever it is this offseason to improve the team. And if they're willing to do that and they're willing to put the money up front, then they can do the guaranteed money that these high quality players want. Guaranteed money matters a lot. It has gotten in the Bengals way in the past. And I I think that's another piece of it is the Bengals are positioned to spend the money if they choose to do so. If they say, We've got two more years on Joe Burrow's rookie deal, and we want to spend money to maximize that window. They can do it. And it's just a question of whether they will at this point or if they'll continue to operate as they have in the past. And we're going to learn a lot about the direction Katie Blackburn, if she has taken over as Buckeye Dad 1167 asked as the team president in in de facto nature, which James are shaking your head. She hasn't, but she is doing a lot of contracts herself. Um, well, sure. That's, uh, you know, yeah, she controls all the contracts. But if that's the direction that they're going financially, I guess is what I'm saying, then we might start to see that trend establish itself over a three year period here based on what they do this year. 
Yeah. I mean, he still signs off on the everything. So nothing crosses, you know, everything goes past his desk, but sure. You know, she negotiates all the deals uh, along with Duke Tobin, who's obviously in play with that. But uh, all right. Last thing real quick. Go ahead. Yeah. Wasn't there a story about like Marvin Lewis and Katie Blackburn signing a guy after Mike Brown went home and he got in the next day and found out that that they had offered a contract or something like that? I feel like I read that story in the last couple of weeks. Maybe. And that that probably didn't go well for Marvin. (laughs) I think it was early in his in his time in Cincinnati. I don't remember who it was. That that definitely didn't go well. No, because that's I I imagine not. Oh my God. Anyways, real quick. Shoe dog nine asks what's more likely the Bengals sign a new guard or Jake bench is more than James on combine day. Well, I had to squeeze uh, that one in. You, you might not know from looking at me, but I can actually bench 7,000 pounds. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> turns out, turns out I got that spidey strength, James. So shoe to answer your question, Jake would kick my ass in the bench press <laughs> and the Bengals aren't signing any guards. <laughs> Sorry for everyone that wanted them to it's Jackson, no. Carmen and Deontay Smith season. Not even close. James <laughs> could bench probably three times what I can bench at least. I, that, that might be a lot. It depends on how much you can bench. If it's just the bar, then yeah, <laughs> I could, ho- I would hope you could bench three times the bar the way you I could out. do. Yeah, I'd probably be close to three bills. So, yeah, that's, you know, that's if, you're at like, a, if you're at 100 pounds, then yeah, we could I could close. do a little bit more than 100, but I haven't benched in a long time. So it'd be close well, to three times. Well, you have until Sunday, you know, when we record again to, to bench and we'll uh, we'll revisit this then. Yeah, I'll find a gym. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Ending on a fun note there. We're back next week. The Combine. Right? That's next week? James yeah, it's next week. It's next week, and I'm going to be there. Mike Brown and Duke – not Mike Brown. Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor will yep. address the media. We'll hopefully have some clips or snippets from those press conferences to talk about at the very least for the podcast, and that will be coming up next week as well as all the great action from the Combine Free Agency shortly thereafter. And maybe we'll get more free agency rumors as well as it seems to be rumor season. Until next time, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 